Everyone and welcome once again to this uh, free. It's, it's the, the free one. Fuck you, Milo. Before turning the free one on himself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're doing. You're doing the Marshall Mathers. Now tell them something they don't know about me. Strategy, but for the free one, <laughs> yeah, you can get out ahead of it. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to confuse Milo. That's how you do a, run a good business. Is you identify Milo a business confusion. partner and conf- yeah, Milo mm. confusion. Yeah, um, it's cross cross casting. Yep, that's right. And. Uh, uh, we are here today in our um, in a very large capacity. We have myself, we have Milo, we have Hussein, we have Alice, and we are very pleased to be joined by Beth Douglas, a queer activist from Glasgow who has campaigned for uh, gender recognition reforms in Scotland for the last seven years to discuss exactly what the fuck has gone on oh between gosh. Scotland, England, and the gender recognition laws. Beth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You know, well, well done to, to trans people for finally doing what most of the world couldn't do in breaking up the UK. So, yeah, let's get this show on the road, baby. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what, a, what a week it's been. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's been a whole week of um, extremely, uh, I would say, sensible reactions uh, <laughs> to quite, um, quite minor transformations. <laughs> Honestly, like, it just, I, I'm still... I don't know. I just keep on rethinking back and I'm just like, I can't believe this is like going on right now. And this is like just the plan that they have taken. Cause it's An- just- another, another victory for normalcy. Once again, in British <laughs> politics, oh, yeah. uh, Britain the remains consecutive normal. week of being normal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. World world's yeah. most regular country uh, <laughs> yet again, topping, uh, topping the charts in the regular off. Mm-hmm. I was about to say that like topping never, not Britain. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, now, uh, so we are going to be talking in some detail about uh, exactly what the new Scottish, proposed Scottish reforms for gender recognition are, why they're important, and exactly uh, why the Both UK Rishi government- Sunak and yeah. Keir Starmer have been triggered and owned by them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and they and their- The UK's two gay dads, Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer, are in full parental alignment. <laughs> and they're both very disappointed with us. I know. Yeah. Uh, no, it, what has uh, happened is, in fact, uh, there has been a broad consensus from the top of UK politics, shockingly, uh, that the lives of transgender people should be made more difficult to appeal to, I don't know, 200 syphilitic columnists. Uh, however, before we get into that, we have some news. Number one, dun, 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 dun. I need every. Thank you, Beth, for doing the news stinger. <laughs> yeah, uh, I need everyone. I think that listening. was the Intel inside uh, theme music. <laughs> well, this is Intel, and it's going inside <laughs> your ears. This is important. You sponsor everyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's thank right. Thank you to uh, Intel. <laughs> thank you to Taiwan <laughs> Semiconductor. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, look. So I need everyone mm. listening right now to join okay. hands. If you're listening near someone else who's listening, join hands with them. Otherwise, ask someone nearby to join hands with them as well. Go out into the street and, like, clasp the hands of the nearest person. Unprovoked. Because we need to do a prayer thunderclap Mm -hmm. uh, for- We need to get God's attention. You need to clasp clasp hands and also make it clap simultaneously. (laughs) That's right. We need to all pray for the- You know, bow your heads, put your hands together, make it clap Mm. hands-free style. Get, get some Mongolian throat singing going. Um, uh-huh. We are all need to pray for Trash Future's favorite 
Republican Florida uh, congressman, Greg Stubbe, who has apparently fallen off of his roof. The woke globalists <laughs> have failed in their attempt to assassinate our special boy. And, uh, yeah. you know, we can neither, neither, neither like forgive nor forget this act of aggression by woke roofs. He was so shocked by the lack of engagement on his latest Facebook post that he fell off his roof in shock. <laughs> I mean, this all leaf to me opens the question. What do you think Greg Stubbe was doing on his roof? Do you think he'd like set up a lawn chair up there? <laughs> Raising hand very strongly, trying to clear gutters with a fork. Like an ordinary table fork. He's getting the iron brew out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Hare's coded behavior from the in, in In my opinion, uh, he was trying to set up a roof terrace by just taking some lawn chairs up there and nailing and nailing them to the um, the shingles. Uh, and it actually did work, but he forgot to nail down his table, and he tried to grab his beer as it slid off, overbalanced, and tumbled to the floor. Uh, look, I have no evidence for this, but I'm assuming what happened is Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum uh, un uh, removed the nails from the table, knowing it would cause them him to um, overbalance himself while reaching for his beer. Honestly, falling off your roof is like a great American tradition that no one talks about. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, my sister lives in America, and almost all of her like adult male friends have fallen off of a roof at some point. Like, American men just passage. love. It, whereas, like, a British man would call a guy to fix the roof, he'd be like, I can't get up there, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. American men are like, I will fix the roof, yeah. I'm gonna get up there. It's interesting that, yeah, when you rewrite the hero Joseph's Cam Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey for an American audience, you do actually have to include, before crossing the threshold, the fixing of the roof. Well, what is a roof except a kind of throne to oversee your kingdom um, of yeah. suburbia? That's right. Now... He has lost the mandate of heaven by falling from his roof throne. <laughs> no, no. We've, uh, we've got a lot of stuff to get through today, so I don't want to spend too long on Greg's TV. I hate it but... when one of my besties loses the mandate of heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, awful, but... One of my least favorite things to tell any of my friends is, I've I got to keep it real with you, but you, you have lost the mandate of heaven. We're just we're shedding a shingle tear for Greg Stubbe. <laughs> Thank you, Milo. Sorry. I just want to call out the podcast right now to audio oh, listeners oh, because God. you know I'm seeing visual video and I don't know if I just mm. like I, everyone said they were praying, but I don't know if I saw enough praying. But like, <laughs> don't want to suggest anybody was lying, but I just want viewers to know, right? Riley and I, my hands were together, right? right? Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> That's, That's important cool. to note. Um, so uh, another couple of things before we get to our core subject. Uh. I we would be remiss if we did not talk about the fact that uh, Twitter's first um, bond interest payment, um, which is of course at enormously inflated rates, at a time when no one seems to work there or spend money there either, um, is coming due. And Elon Musk, uh, world's greatest champion of free speech, has uh, nothing but horrible options that either involve bankrupting. Um, Bankrupting uh, Saudi prince Alawid bin Talal, or himself. That sounds healthy. I mean, the good news is they're already doing the auctioning all the furniture off out of the office. And uh, people who follow me on Twitter may be aware that I was very keenly following the progress of a three-foot-tall Twitter bird logo statue that they were selling out of the office. Um, that has already gone up to like twenty five thousand dollars and rising. So that's so that sold. It sold for a hundred thousand. Which god if damn. 
based on the fact that that's a lot for a bird statue, if we extrapolate that to basically everything else they're selling, they should be fine paying this gigantic interest um, uh, coupon on their bond. The um, I, another name I didn't I didn't expect to see brought up beside this uh, this company was brought up, which is Wirecard. Uh, which is, of hey. course, oh, fantastic. That's always a sign of <laughs> quality when Wirecard yeah. comes. When up. you're brought up next to Wirecard, mm. um, yeah. So the uh, in that they they har- it, it has the risk of just missing its interest payment. It would join a very ignominious club, which includes Wirecard. Yeah, we now, need to bring in some consultants from a company which has expertise in not being able to pay a very large bill. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently the solution is you write down the number that you want. Yeah, and Elon <laughs> Musk is like, I need someone who can shave me a poodle. <laughs> Apparently it was a Pomeranian We just made up the poodle Close enough Yeah Similar genre of dog well, exactly. what, Yeah what is a, a poodle If not a sort of spiritually a Pomeranian mm. uh, So it's now um, The uh, I say uh, some sentences on this podcast A, a technology <laughs> equity analyst This is from the FT uh, a Technology analyst Dan Ives at Wedbush Securities Estimates that Twitter is no longer worth the $44 billion Elon Musk has paid for it No Anyone Anyone want to, in fact, starting with our, our, our lovely guest here, anyone want to guess what it's now worth? Uh, f- like, half, hopefully? Like, uh, Oh, no. You're so no? optimistic. Oh, my gosh. Please. please. Oh, yes. It deserves it so much. Tell me we're in single digits. Please uh, tell me we're in we're single digits. We're not far off. Yes. Yes. We're at... Uh, Ele- f- 11 we're, billion? We're at 15 billion. Ah, Nice. That is not considering the amount of money involved, the amount of other people's money involved, the amount of Saudi royals' money involved. That is not a very big number. <laughs> the number yeah. of bones in Elon Musk's body. Um. <laughs> it's not a. It's not a, a good value for Twitter to be if you're Elon Musk and you're looking to not like climb into a suitcase. <laughs> You're not looking to be like found on some railings. So uh, the other other co-investors, including uh, Prince Alawid bin Talal, uh, are Sequoia Capital, uh, who you may remember as being totally dazzled by Sam Bankman-Fried, like barely paying attention while gaming and talking to them. Um, the Oracle co-founder Larry Ellison, uh, <laughs> among uh, others of Musk's friends. Uh, and other banks who were just like invested in this project just say, yeah, I assume he'll do well. <laughs> He's always done well before. Um, so uh, his bad options include basically selling more of his stock to buy the debt so that it doesn't go out of business, which would trigger uh, the stock going lower in price and cause him to lose even more money, having already lost a record breaking amount of money. <laughs> um, or try to get someone else to buy the debt, but no one's going to buy it because it's like, Oh, no, no one can really. No one's gonna buy it because it's like it's not performing, basically, or has risk of not performing. So the same analyst who estimated uh, Twitter's value at fifteen billion says <laughs> that all of the all of the holders of Twitter stock at this point are ultimately betting on Musk to do what he did with SpaceX and Tesla. Uh, that is to say, turn around the business and make it profitable. Massively overvalue them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to which yeah, we I need say, to turn the, the like infinite money cheat back on immediately. Yeah, mm. that's the only way to save. To, that's the only way not to have like I don't know Morgan Stanley presents Twitter. Yeah, I think the thing <laughs> is right. So Elon Musk was hoping that he was going to be playing The Sims, i.e., you've got the blue gnome in front of your house that gives you the infinite money. Whereas Elon Musk is actually playing The Sims and like his cereal is on fire for some reason. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 
It's like if Sims had a nightmare mode. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Like an extremely hard mode. Uh, so see what what's happening is, uh, yeah, with SpaceX, all he did was just take what the government used to do with uh, space launches, and then bought the company that just does that privately now. And with Tesla, mostly what he did was fleece rubes. So yeah, buy a car company and make it more yeah. annoying. So I don't know if you're going to make Twitter more annoying. Good luck. Uh, but um, so that's uh, that's very. Oh, fun. I mean, he's trying. Yeah. He's he's trying all the time, doing um, his best. But the good the good news is that like all all of the sort of like conservative voices that he did this for, like most notably Cat Herd too, are once again back to bitching and whining that no one is engaging with their content unable to fathom the idea that people might not be interacting with their content because their content sucks and are convinced that like the cathedral has gotten to Elon mm. and now he's turned all the but algorithms How can that on. be? We only so, launched Cat Turd 2 due to the popularity of Cat Turd 1. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I actually see this sort of asset stripping, uh, like quite literally, uh, and selling off of Twitter as just a guy digging around in a bin trying to find the cathedral and just throwing stuff out of it. Um. <laughs> anyway, congratulations to uh, Elon continuing to break uh, the only record I would like him to break, which is amount of money we, lost. We wish him, we wish him a very continued alive, yeah. um, and we we hope that he is every day found to be alive. That's right. Uh, one, mm-hmm. there's one article on the in, on the not not like in in a location or a configuration that could be described as stuffed into or concealed within <laughs> or dissolved in in a substrate of any of these things or distributed amongst. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> spread across. Yeah. Spi- no barrels yeah. of acid uh, involved. Built into, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk. He could be part of the Twitter statue. <laughs> yeah. Like, He's considering a new God, career yeah. option as yeah. part of the vital support wants. structs like, of the new freeway just outside Los Angeles. <laughs> if, Elon, if Elon Musk like wants Twitter so bad and loves it apparently so much, like just put him in the concrete of the yeah. statue. Mm. We'd, For the love of God, Elon. We don't Elon. think that should happen. We are just concerned that some of his investors may do that to him. <laughs> yeah, a sort of wicker bird situation. Uh, yeah. So, one, there's one other thing I wanted to read about the Twitter thing before sort of moving on to a little bit of us being right and then our core subject. Uh, so this is from an article published on The Verge uh, about the employee experience at Twitter. <laughs> a site with a very distinctive yeah. logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Twitter might have had a reputation for a left-leaning workforce, but there's always been a faction that disapproved of its progressive ideals. Oh, yeah, fuck this rule. On rules. Slack, some of these workers had formed a channel called iDissent, where they asked questions like why deadnaming a trans colleague was considered to be bad. When Musk announced he was... Yeah, just ask When Musk questions. announced he was buying the yeah. company... Just curious. One of the more active eye dissenters was thrilled, saying, Elon's my new boss, and I'm stoked. He wrote on LinkedIn, so I decided to send him a Slack message. I figured you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That employee was cut in the first round of layoffs, and all prominent members of the eye dissent Slack channel were then fired. So even the brown nosers are just <laughs> yeah. disregarded. Yeah, it you could just really be like, totally so far up his ass, mm. you're inside him, and he's still like... Yeah. He's kind of like Trump in that way. Like he, All the people who love him the most, he does sort of despise. Yeah, it's like if mm, they, yeah. they if he the problem is, right, is that he can't extend that to basically everyone except like a small core group of real estate friends. That's why he was never able to get the sauce. Um Stan Chera, that's right. you know, that's the, that that's the only guy to whom Trump was loyal. And he was loyal to be fair. Um he was very loyal to Stan Chera. Stan Chera, like his his name was on his lips when he thought he was going to die, you know. <laughs> I, I hope I one day have that good of a real estate friend. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so, two more things. It was a beautiful condo, Stan. You, you just I know that be you've been too poisoned it. by the internet, and then in you know eighty years time or whatever, when God forbid you're dying, you're gonna think, "Am I going out like Stan Chera?" Oh, it's the thought man. will come to you whether you want it or not. Oh no! I'm sorry. I'm sorry to curse you with this knowledge, but it is true. You you will think, we had a beautiful oh, man, I'm going surface. out like Stan Chera." I I, I hate <laughs> to have such. Such clear foreknowledge of my own death in that way. <laughs> um, Would you like me to tell you the exact date and time? Uh, I'm good for now. Um, I have two little okay. other bits of We Were Right. One of them has to do with Elon Musk, which is apparently uh, full self-driving. Uh, the video that launched the whole thing, fake. It was fake. Awesome. What? Also, That's that picture crazy. from Moscow? That's fucking Moscow City in the background. I'm so surprised the guy who prototyped his um, automated robot by having a guy in a morph suit come out would fake a video about auto like uh yeah fake a video about um uh ai driving or whatever the fuck it's called now uh so yeah i'm really shocked by this is just fake was it was it like, a guy like was it was the video actually just like a guy pretending yeah, a to dude. be a car yeah was it was <laughs> <laughs> what if your car was just a guy yeah that pierce brosnan lying on the back seat with a nokia 6610 at the time of um, <laughs> at the time of the video was released, this was the first sort of full self driving or allegedly full self driving video in 2016. It said um, Tesla drives itself with no human input at all through urban streets um, to highways, back to streets, and then finds a parking spot. However, the employee involved in creating it clarified that the video was a mock up, uh, which was supposed to portray what it was possible to build into the system. The only word of a lie there is the word possible. It is not possible to do all of that. Uh, so showing, going into the boardroom and showing them an episode of Gundam Wing and just being like, yeah, I can build this. Yeah. <laughs> Give me lots of money well, my, so I can build this. My favorite detail is that the car that they used in it then crashed in Tesla's parking lot in like a sort of a Tina <laughs> Belcher situation. And I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out how you do that. It's like when a robot finds out what they are, they just like immediately kill themselves. You find out your creator is Elon Musk. Yeah, <laughs> one of yeah, the like exactly. failed attempts at RoboCop two, you know. Um, and another quick thing about us being right, uh, Netflix. Uh, apparently, wouldn't you know it? In an environment that's not conducive uh, to its flourishing, you know, the economy being real, um, they're having a lot of trouble posting revenue growth, and in fact, uh, have reported their slowest quarter revenue growth on Thursday. Uh, because wouldn't you know it, their ad-supported plan has failed to attract customers. Because all of their high growth markets are completely fucking saturated. Uh, so Cancel more series renewals. That's the only answer. So you get a season one of everything, nothing else. Yeah. More seasons of the crown is coming. <laughs> so anyway, who could have guessed uh, that that would happen? Except once again, us uh, like a long time ago. So uh, it's yep. time for Spencer Confidential too. It's, the only it's time for Bright Two. It's time to bring <laughs> yes! out the hits, baby. Bright Two, my new script could be my Star Wars if filmed well. <laughs> it should actually be uh, Spencer Confidential Two and Bright Two as a combined movie where the universe is mixed. What, like Mark Wahlberg <laughs> and Will Smith, like they work together and, and yeah. no, but it's like I'm there's a like a portal now. A portal is open and we have to go in fa <laughs> fantasy Boston. I was Come never, on. I was never supposed to be an orc cop. I was supposed to sell Hondas. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited I'm to orc cop Asimo. I'm so excited to discuss to get real get more into like to yeah. my At favorite, least I'm a real fucking robot unlike the Tesla one. My favorite part of the, the guy. Um, 
My favorite part of the uh, the Boston doorstopper fantasy novels is like the map at the beginning uh, of of the first few pages. Like you really get to be absorbed in the politics of fictional oh, Boston. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> the Back Bay lands. Uh, this is this has all been some fun in games, but um, let's let's move on. Uh, Jarring shift of tone. And and yeah, I hope you enjoyed the comedy portion. Now it's time for the uh, the comedy portion has now ended. Well, I mean, I mean, we're dealing with some. Really, like I don't know, like the UK government's badly triggered and it's melting down. So I think I, I give people's permission to laugh about this slightly because oh, yeah. if it's you don't, deeply otherwise, farcical, like, definitely cry. Like it's bad, but yeah. it's like it's very comically bad in terms of the execution. Mm. Like you, in terms of the UK government response, insane. I'd say there's quite a bit of mustache twirling going on in Westminster mm. on both sides of the aisle, um, but. Uh, just to give us a little bit of level setting here, um, basically, for those of you listening internationally as well, uh, the British government has, uh, I've written here, decided to fire a Trident nuclear missile at a computer programmer in cat ears who just wants to program in order to appeal to a generation of diseased columnists and terrified boomers. Um, yeah, pretty much. Don't, don't, yeah. yeah. Don't forget the knee yeah, Of course. Like, yeah. Those socks help the blood pressure, and you know that helps with. The- Say what you will, Jeremy Corbyn would have never done it, and that's why I'm glad. That's why I'm glad that someone had the bravery to fire a Trident missile at the Cat Boys. That's true. That's true. He did famously say on Question Time that he he would never. That's right. Would Would you nationalize Cat Boys? Yeah. So Beth, why don't you start out with giving us a little bit of context about um. What Scotland has done, uh, the Gender Recognition Reform Act, and then GR- and just remind people what a GRC is, why you'd want to get one, what it lets you do, what it doesn't let you do, and so on. Sure, sure. So um, basically what a GRC is, is, is called a Gender Recognition Certificate. It, it simply allows like trans people to do th- three very specific things. Um, pay taxes in the right gender, uh, which is okay. Um, and then getting married, which is a little bit more important, obviously, if it's the most special day of your life. Um, you don't want to be misgendered when you're getting married, um, which would suck, to be quite frankly. Um, and then the last one's a little bit dark, actually. It's like, w- when you die, your your death certificate, in the UK at least, is, is informed by your birth certificate. So if your birth certificate still says male, you'll be buried by, like, literally the UK government as a, as a male. And those records will you know just just be there for a lot of trans people there are some trans people that are just like i'm not i'm not really concerned about that raising um, hand here i don't have one yeah, i don't care doesn't make yeah, a huge difference to me that's 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 totally fair um but for for a lot of others like it's just like they, they would like that document to sort of be accurate to how they they, they live their, their their lives and i think that's a very a very low bar like that is not it's not even a new right Really, so the reforms essentially to this just demedicalize the process. Yeah, because it's, it's very it, annoying to get a GRC. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, it's it's really it's up there with like some of the DWP stuff in terms of seeing the state with its clothes off. In that it fully is like definitely y- you will need to send in uh, like an A4 binder of all of the evidence that you have ever changed your gender that goes to a panel can you meet the panel yeah. no can you know who's on the panel no do you have to pay no. the panel yes mm-hmm. um and yes. then they will think about it for a bit and decide whether you are transgender enough mm-hmm. to get one of these certificates and if so you get it in the post 
uh, and your taxes get a lot more complicated. You're in a room with the state, and actually, you've both got your clothes off. Yeah, so yeah I exactly. Wanna, you've you've used the term demedicalize. Um, yeah. Also, what you need is is a diagnosis mm. of of gender dysphoria, okay. um, which I would say that doesn't really ex- exist. Controversial trans opinion. I think it's just body dysmorphia for like tra- trans yeah. people. Um, it like you could literally call it the mad tranny disease, and <laughs> like it still it still does the same thing, yeah, right? It's, it's like, sort of like so, functionally, it's you need a doctor to sign off on this. Uh, yeah. Well, two doctors, in fact, um, and, and they want you to tell that sort of story of like, oh, I grew up and uh, I hated every minute, and oh, it was an agonizing experience learning that I was trapped in the wrong side of the bo- body, and we're, it's just really regressive stereotypes, not just for like trans people, but for gender. In general, like, so Britain's always been, like, really weird about gender. <laughs> um, but it, it, we fucking erased, like, tons of, of um, you know, different genders all around the globe and different cultures and different ways of life. And now we're sort of seeing gender starting to destroy the UK. So it's, like, kind of, like, sickly and very this ironic. This is one of these uh, colonial, <laughs> colonial methods uh, returning to the metropole. Uh, we have gender mm. now. We did. We did export a, like a binary system of gender at gunpoint in a lot of yep. places, and uh, you know, I, I think any trans person who has like tried to like medically transition in the UK will be intimately familiar with having to perform a sort of nineteen fifties gender role where it's like, is my like is my dress short enough to like yeah. make a clinician go? Yeah, it seems like a woman to me. But also, you can't be an AGP, right? Mm, You've got to be a HTS. You can't be. You right? can't be getting off on this. Um, no, 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 no. If you're getting off in that wee, in Sandyford, in that wee waiting room, so oof. Now I finally understand <laughs> why Alice has been baking us all cookies and saying, there you go, pop it. <laughs> yes. So, That's right. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it is, it's also my understanding that, uh, and this is basically looking at like the Lady Haldane uh, Outer House judgment, is that in addition to all of that, the other thing a GRC does is for the purposes of the Equality Act, make you um, functionally a woman uh, for all of the way places where it applies, for all of the places where it applies commonsensically, basically. Let me let me let me dive into this. So there's protected characteristics in the Equality Act, uh, of which there are two: gender reassignment and sex, or or gender. Like it uses those two interchangeably, which is something that really annoys turfs. Um, so, it, as as a trans person, you have a right not to be discriminated against based on gender reassignment. You cannot discriminate on someone based on the fact that they're transgender. Um, However, there are certain circumstances where you can discriminate based on sex or gender, right? You can create a space that is women only or men only in certain circumstances which are enumerated in the Equality Act. Uh, And another thing that really annoys TERFs is all, all of the Scottish charities that provide services have never really asked for that exemption. They're like, no, we're we're actually fine. Yeah, it, because, it just like, doesn't come up if, that much. I but plus also like, see, if you're a cis woman, right, running away from like, you know, a, a, a horrific abuser, the last thing you want to do is like, well, get your well, genitals wait a minute and get your eyes here. Be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what we're eventually kind of coming to. Is like, what well, you don't have your ID? Do you have your birth certificate then? And it's just it's 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 really no. it's farcical so, that. We're actually even debating that. Yeah. But all, all a GRC does is like it moves you from being in sort of like one protected characteristic of gender reassignment to two of gender reassignment and gender, which doesn't really, it, you know, 
you were already protected. It doesn't really. Yeah, you you, you can't, for instance, like ban trans people from a bathroom. Um, like if it, like your uh, self-identified gender reassignment is enough to like legally immunize you from going into whatever bathroom you want, right? Um, like it's these very specific cases of like this is legally a like a same sex space, yeah. Where uh, now, and there's very few of them too. The, the reason I bring that up is only because it's going to become relevant as we talk about the actual operation of this law, and we find mm. the flimsiness upon which the Westminster government's objection to it rests. Now, I think we well, sort as, of as as something that like I you know learned very quickly in law school the quality of like the the way in which we draft legislation in this country borders on the negligent. Um, there are a lot of laws where the uh, the thing that we're trying to legislate for, the thing that we're trying to express, is implemented incredibly clumsily because it's just been left to like the three MPs who show up to a session that's running into like you know five o'clock in the morning to like hammer this thing together, and it just sort of like you end up with this this sort of bodge together thing, and that's you know the Equality Act is in part like that. Um, which is really weird because, like, it's almost like an entirely different story with with this bill mm-hmm. because, like, MSPs have sort of designed it or tried to design it in a way that would have avoided all of this. So they've 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 kind of realised because it's essentially you know you, we have a coalition, not a coalition government, but a, a a government with two parties that have an agreement. Call that what you will, um, and, and therefore. You know, Nicola Sturgeon very much wants to keep that majority in the Scottish Parliament because she wants enough MSPs to call that saucy referendum, right? Whenever that that may or may not be that hot, um, sexy referendum. Exactly. So she she really needs to keep like the Greens on side, which are very much in favour of of pushing the gender recognition reforms. So she can't necessarily like compromise on this, if that makes sense, because it would essentially co- collapse a government. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why the SN, uh, not the SNP, but Westminster have really tried to to sort of use this and tackle this for political reasons, as well as just culture war and all that jazz. The SNP historically had been, you know, it's it's wavered on this. I was one of my favourite stories about this is when I when I went to the Sandyford when I went to the gender identity clinic. I was like, do I need a gender recognition certificate? And uh, the psychiatrist I was talking to went, I wouldn't bother. They'll change it next year anyway. That was seven years right. ago, and the reason—that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. <laughs> this, too. This happened to like so many people, and the reason why this happened is because the SNP wavered and hesitated and did like these two, and then well, two and a half long public consultations about all of the possible impacts of this, and then like kind of stalled and stalled and stalled until the Greens had to like sort of like drag them into it, and so yeah, the result is this piece of uh, legislation, the Gender Recognition Reform Bill, Scotland. 2022, I think it is, um, which is yeah, will be yeah, like sort of intended to be bulletproof. It's like highly scrutinised both by choice and also by the SNP being. Sort it of is weak as a result of all the delays and everything. This is the most scrutinised and consulted upon bill in the history of the Scottish Parliament. Yeah, and all it all it does is it makes it easier to get a GRC if you want one. You have to like. You can just identify as whatever you as as whatever gender you want, and then you put that in like a formal declaration, like an affidavit, 
there are like legal consequences for lying about it. Um, and you go through like a, a waiting period to make sure you're extra serious. This is already sounding pretty fucking onerous. You don't have to do this shit for like uh, changing your name, for instance, right? Um, you also don't you, have to you, do this shit in comparable jurisdictions. This is still more restrictive no. than in comparable jurisdictions. I'm given to understand. Yeah, this this is not. So this this may be self ID, but it's not world leading in the slightest. It's not the best form of, of self ID. So if if this became law. It, it would require you to be the acquired gender for three months. You don't really need to supply any evidence of that. You just need to sign a state that you have been doing that. And and then you, you, you get your GERC, a kind of interim one, and then you have a three months reflection period. This is all very like stuff that's not needed, but it's kind of just been taken by the, the sort of like mo- trans movement in Scotland to just be like, right, if that's really going to like, help you then then we'll, we'll, we'll take it um uh, also to note that um another thing that this bill does is it lowers the age of which you can get a grc between scotland and the wider uk scotland is slightly different with what uh, rights it gives people at what age so for example uh, the, the right to vote for the rest of the uk is is 18 but in in scottish elections in scotland it's, it's 16 16 year olds can vote here um I think for the whole of the UK, you can get married at 16 and, uh, you know, you can you can join the army, you can start combat training, die for that classic country. Uh, also, um, this, is actually, this is actually relevant, by the way, for when we talk about the um, the Westminster's decision to block it. It's actually 18 that you get married in England without parental consent. With, oh, with parental oh, consent, just, no, you can get married I don't at 16. Go, no, sorry, without parental consent, you can get married at uh, 18. Yeah. With In Scotland, however, you can get married without parental consent at 16. Keep those numbers in mind for hence, later, hence. because this is going to come up. Mm. Hence, Gretna, Gretna Green, mm. right? Yeah, um, is often seen as like a very romantic place because people used to like literally come up to Scotland to I was get married. Say, what's around as, as teenagers? Uh, so <laughs> Gretna Green would be a pretty good drag name, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll file that under drag names. Now, I think the other thing to to remember here, I'm just going to give a quick introduction. This is mostly for like non-UK listeners who might not be familiar with how devolution works. So when you hear about Scotland, you might think, for example, oh yeah, the relationship between like um, the UK and Scotland is similar to, for example, the relationship between Washington DC and Idaho. Wrong. Extremely loud, incorrect buzzer. Allow allow me to reiterate my sort of first year constitutional law course. Uh, There is one fount of law in the United Kingdom, and that's the Crown and Council in Parliament, which amounts to uh, a doctrine that's developed of parliamentary sovereignty, which means that Westminster can do whatever the fuck it likes, right? It can create a Scottish Parliament, it can respect the things the Scottish Parliament does, it can dissolve a Scottish Parliament. And Westminster can't bind itself like going forward. It can't say, we have created a Scottish Parliament, therefore we can't abolish it. If they had the votes, if they wanted to, Westminster could abolish any of the devolved administrations tomorrow for no reason other than they feel like it. Because we don't have a, a, like a written, a codified constitution. We have this sort of like exchange, this like fankle of like customary stuff and like unwritten traditions that like you can choose not to respect when you don't want to. Um, and so that's the key thing to understanding all of this is the Scottish Parliament exists as a legal creation of Westminster. It is entirely at its mercy in that sense. Uh, it, the thing to remember, right, as it just historically as well, right. You know, the U.S. In, in the U. Think about the U.S. Right? U.S. federalism was the result of an agreement between its those like those uh, territories, whereas British federalism was kind of a fudge 
that came from the uh, sort of late 1990s uh, uh, and the, the Blair administration. Like it was, yeah, it's classic it, Blair shit. It's like, what do I have? To, what's the least thing I can do to like get people to stop yelling yeah. at? It's it's I um. instead of it's, I will pay you a hundred dollars to fuck off forever. It's I will pay you control over things I don't care about to fuck off forever. And also a lot of money. And this is <laughs> crucially. And this is, and we 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 may get into this a little bit later. And this is why you're like. Keith Starmer's like mm. response is just kind of really weird. It's not surprising in a way because he's like classic. I'm not moving from the middle of aisle like mm. at all. Um, he's in the middle aisle. He's but, finding toasters but, that are also an alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but you know, Labour's supposed to be the party of devolution. It's set up that as as you said, it's also uh, the party of of the Equality Act. Mm. They they wrote the Equality Act. It's also the, the party of the GRA as well, the gender the original gender recognition reform, and they say they're quite proud of that that they, that they did that. But they were actually only um, they didn't do that willingly. Ah, no. <laughs> uh, the gender recognition Act the first time. Labor no, being they were they were actually mandated doing something like vaguely progressive. Come on, yeah, they, yeah, they were sued by the European Court of of. Human rights, yeah, 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 basically, and that's because originally our, our laws around if a trans person wanted to be legally recognised, they would have to sterilise themselves. That's the only way that we used to do it. Seems very normal. A lot of countries like did this until pretty recently. Um, I, I think it persisted in some of the northern countries for a while too. Um, the north, yeah, lands. it was a <laughs> good win, good win in the United Kingdom, uh, where um, uh, the European Court of Human Rights made them go back and change this. It was a breach of Article 8 and Article 12 of the European Convention on Human Rights. And so they, they, they you know, did this thing that was just good enough. Mm. Um, so let's, uh, I'm going to sort of then go through a little bit of the, uh, now that we sort of have all that level set, we know what's happened, we know the relationships between the players. Uh, let's talk a, a little bit about what Westminster has done. They are issuing what's called a Section 35 order, which is, as Alice alluded to earlier, where they can just look at Scotland and uh, take the toys away, basically. They can say, okay, laughing time is over. It's time for Westminster to take control back yeah. uh, and, um, and stop you from you know, doing these things that you like because we are um, either a combination of inveterate culture warriors or we have seen an opening to break up the Scottish government, either one. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because... In some ways, this is uh, a compliment to the, like the drafting of the the recognition reform bill. In that, there could have been other ways to do this had it been written more poorly. A lot of the like debate that happened in the Scottish Parliament was um, so the Scottish Parliament has fairly strictly delineated responsibilities. If it goes out with them, that law is not valid. It's ultra vires, right? Um, if yeah, and it's not just part of a, part of the law. It's it's all of it. Yeah. So even if you just get something minorly wrong in one of the sections it's not like well we'll pull that and replace it later it all goes yeah there, Sorry, there, there were lots of no it's fine there, there, there were lots of like sort of wrecking amendments where they were trying to like weld bits onto it that would have made it out with the competence of the scottish parliament um most most coming from the tories but a surprising amount from from, from labor as well oh, yeah. which makes it weird because when 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 keith is like well not all of the labor amendments got voted through so therefore i'm not really I'm not really in favor of it, and I'm like, well, Keith, if you actually like put all those amendments through, it w- it would have it would have been easier to just you know fire this bill down. It would have been came as what's known as a Section Thirty Two order, where it just it goes to the Supreme Court instead, almost instantly. Um, but th- with a Section Thirty Five, it's just kind of stuck in in limbo. It's just it's never happened before for the entire 
time that you know the unions existed uh, you know a, a section 35 has, has never been offered which isn't even though i'm saying like for the whole time the entire union devolution's still quite quite young in the uk um the scottish parliament hasn't hasn't really existed for that long um it is still relatively quite it's a new building still like It'll be um, section, section thirty five of the Scotland Act, which is only nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. So has has anyone yeah, exactly. uh, ever has anyone noticed in this call or maybe listening that in this country we tend to say the phrase has never happened before quite a lot recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're breaking new boundaries in the UK. You so know? I, there are lots of yeah. I mean there are lots of unprecedented things, and I would just really like to grow. That's that's my so, feedback. I just want to. So grow. the the statement of reasons. Uh, has to a statement of reasons issued by the government has to accompany a section thirty five order where yeah, they say it, it obliges uh, an absolutely sort of unnoticeable man, Alistair Jack, the Scottish Secretary, uh, to to issue like to explain himself in formal terms, which he has done. Yeah, and um, and this fucking document, man, I mm. <laughs> so. So I'll, again, a little pricey to this as well. Bear this in mind as we're going through the statement of reasons. The statement of reasons, it's supposed to be talking about the things that will happen, right? It's supposed to be talking, it's restricting itself to not things that might happen, not things that are, are, are positive, possible, but it is things that will occur in law if yeah, this thing passes. Also, sort of like part of the, the reason for doing this is... Um, <sighs> In in the spirit of the Scotland Act, the the idea that you would do this is to make the Scottish Parliament go back and fix the bits of it that Westminster doesn't find acceptable, with a view to getting something passed. Uh, and I think Westminster has sort of like tentatively offered that compromise, knowing that Nicola Sturgeon was never going to accept it. And so uh, Holyrood in general has like remained absolutely firm. Like you pass this or nothing. Um, and, and so like, this is the reason for this document existing is now sort of a legal nullity practically, but we still gotta, we, you gotta do it. And so this is what we have. Yeah. And so the statement of reasons, uh, begins by saying, uh, look, we, there is an overall effect of the bill and the effect of the bill is going back to the equality act. It is essentially saying that by making it quicker and easier for Scottish applicants to obtain a full GRC, uh, removing a number of measures which the UK government regards as important safeguards, such as, as we said, removing uh, third-party influence in the process, living for two years instead of three months as your gender, reducing the age from 18 to 16, um, that it will that the Equality Act will now apply differently throughout the UK. But more importantly, I think like it's already here in the first paragraph of the Statement of Reasons, you can sort of see that they're, what they're implying is it's important that it should be difficult to get a GRC, even though it doesn't say so in the Equality Act. Everyone just seems to kind of agree about that. Yeah, or or in the Gender Recognition Act, um, and we can get into sort of like some of the um, expressed intentions of Parliament making that. But no, it's it's not in, it's not supposed to be difficult to get a GRC. It just has been made so. Um, and and a lot of the reasoning that that you, you'll you'll hear for this is just quite simply that this bill is different from what we do already, yeah, yeah. which is the purpose of reform. Like it's also the purpose of devolution as well, like to have different laws in different parts of the country. But. I love the idea of just being like, well, some people they get in this gender too easily. I had to grind for this gender, you know. There's, yeah. got, to, there's got to be like a travelator involved or something. <laughs> well, like the devolution angle is interesting to me too because I, on the face of it, this is one of the 
only practical objections to the bill is that like doing equalities legislation like a devolved basis will lead to this weird patchwork where uh like you get some inconsistencies there and it's more efficient to do it nationally problem is we already fucking do that like there's a ton of shit that we've already devolved where it's just been more practical most notably in northern ireland where all the time westminster is like we're not touching that um it's just that in doing that in this case that would sort of lend more credence to the idea that Scotland should be able to sort of govern things that would more sensibly be governed as a separate country by itself, which might make it more likely to become a separate country, so we're not going to do that. Also, we're very yeah, transphobic. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> the reaction to, like, whenever Westminster or Tory Westminster does something really bad, the instant reaction in Scotland is almost to go like, shit, is that issue devolved? Is it devolved? Let's quickly check. Is it devolved? <laughs> to see if we're impacted or not. Um, and as a result, sometimes even um, our parliament pays away, when I say our parliament, I mean the Scottish parliament, pays away the negative effects of the UK parliament. So, for example, bedroom tax is a classic example. Scotland like literally like paid part of like the bedroom tax. So like its citizens wouldn't have to pay it. So that's just money like, you know, going from Westminster, Scotland, and then Westminster simply charging Scotland money for 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 not having yeah, it's like a corkage or trying fee. to mitigate its awful law, like so. Um, but let's let focusing on this as well, right? We talked about the um about the actual differences, right? And 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 we say the the idea of a patchwork of equalities legislation. That's one of the uh, objections uh, that was raised in the statement of reasons, right? That in a sort of high sense, beyond its um, adverse effects sense, which we're going to go into next. And I, this is where I think it's worth going back to the idea that. Do you know what else is a protected characteristic is marriage, right? And uh, you can get married without parental consent in, Scot in Scotland at 16. Very funny to discriminate on marriage. No married people in this bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I, I haven't seen a convincing explanation Fucking yet. Fucking marrows coming in here. <laughs> I haven't seen yet a convincing explanation of the fact that um, having two different, not, again, not even two different um, marriage acts existing in the between Scotland and and the rest of the UK uh causing some kind of equalities headache but rather um the fact of just two different ways of getting to a commonly recognized status as causing an equalities headache I'm not I'm not saying there aren't bureaucratic hurdles for most notably for instance for me I have an English birth certificate I have no idea if a Scottish gender recognition certificate would like affect that if it would be allowed to affect that so 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 yeah um basically anyone uh who who is kind of classed as an ordinary resident in scotland so aka you have you, you either rent or you own property like you you live here properly um can can apply for a scottish grc um we'll, we'll come on to it a little bit later down this these reasons but the the rest of the uk maybe just england maybe the rest of the uk won't recognize that yeah so i, I mean i think there's also an interesting thing about this patchwork of equalities thing like i think yeah i mean kind of like you were saying alice you could make the argument that yeah i mean that, like given that this isn't a, a, a special equality question that only applies to scotland like trans people exist all over the uk so and given that they might like to move from one British jurisdiction from to another, it might be nice to have a kind of harmonised equalities legislation. But then, of course, that quite simply raises the question for Westminster. Well, go on then. Just, just say to the <laughs> yeah. Scottish Parliament, fine, we'll consult with you on a national bill and do one. And, and then that kind of completely negates that whole problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This they, they did. There, there was a gender recognition reform bill, no bracket Scotland, like an English one that would have done for the whole UK. Uh, and the, they quietly killed it. 
a couple yeah. of years ago, I think. Theresa May wanted to do a nice one for for the trannies and and <laughs> th- then fucked Th- Brexit this up, one time and that's this why one time this- I will do the Theresa May nostalgia and post a picture of her like at the cricket with a big can of lager or whatever and be like based, oh, yeah. based. so and that's because that's the other thing right is that fundament and again there are lots of practical reasons why Westminster's objections are insane and we are going to go through them uh, beyond this but at, at the same time I think there's fundamentally right westminster's statement of reasons says well no our for we need to keep make it hard to get a grc because trans people should naturally be treated with suspicion that's what that's what the statement of reasons implies secondly um the i the 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 corollary of that part of this part of the reason why it's so bad is legitimately just Alistair Jack is very bad at his job. <laughs> like he's he is a guy who you don't really need to know about unless you're thoroughly into Scottish politics, and it kind of shows in that. Like, it, it's really funny that the Tories have put someone so unserious into such a sort of like constitutionally important position because it just doesn't come a up. A man so unserious, he has the names of two boys. Well, it's it's if anything, it's like <laughs> making I don't know Matt Hancock health secretary just before a global pandemic. Um, so just making well, just like it, it, it's just yeah. it's never going to come up, right? No, but, they, you know, the Scottish secretary is like a joke job; doesn't have to do anything. So whatever. So what I put a, a Scottish. Story what I was going to say the corollary of what I was going to say though, as about the um making it very about the GRC process being that, like, valorizing the idea that trans people should be treated with suspicion is the idea that, well, is that the UK has to have a very difficult, um, has to have a very difficult way, way to sort of affirm your gender uh, legally, even in the way we're talking about. And there, and the idea that it could be harmonized to be more easy, for example, uh, as opposed to just must be draconianly difficult everywhere as enforced by the dead hand of Westminster is again an unstated assumption. It's shit, it's supposed to yeah. be shit, and if you don't like it, you can fuck off. Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> the most fundamental British constitutional maxim. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Do you have a license for that gender? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I do actually. <laughs> that but that's as far as I, I want to sort of discuss, right? That is the overall discussion of the sort of overall effect of the bill is the the objection is it will produce a patchwork of equalities legislation and then silently unsaid which should be bad by the way um even though i think you can say according to precedent uh, it won't and according to i don't know your basic human decency it shouldn't hmm. but as uh, and beth is there anything else you want to sort of uh, go into on this level just just that there's already kind of a patchwork different standards of equality like across the border. So, for example, for a brief time, uh, England actually had equal marriage before Scotland did, and there's just there's several matters relating to equality. Abortion laws are slightly different, believe it or not. So, um, believe in Scotland, even though it doesn't really matter because they don't perform late abortions anyway, and that's a whole different podcast if you ever want to get into it. But um, there's there's lots of of, of patchwork already. Inequality law that that currently exists is what I'm trying and, to say. And uh, never before has it required a Section 35 order. Uh, so Correct. the it's other is though this is some kind of excuse or pretense. <laughs> no, come, <laughs> what, come on, what? That would require this uh, the governing class of this country to be psychotically transphobic, um, <laughs> deeply cynical, and also very stupid. Yeah, Come you, on. Do you know what the, the worst thing is? Is I think they're not even that psychotically transphobic. They're just deeply cynical, which is kind of yeah. worse. At least if it was Being their sincerely held. Yeah. Like it's it just it really is like the dumbest game. 
Yeah. Mm. It's like five Guardian columnists are all leading the government around on this. Yeah. And it like weirdly, like, this is one of the things they're able to like the Guardian is able to influence policy on. It like haven't had any success on making fucking wild swimming mandatory, and that's something they write almost as much about. Yeah. But so you've got to complete a wild swim to get your GRC. You've got to swim after it. <laughs> no, Kath Kath Viner doesn't want wild swims. You know how England just put like you know sewers all into their rivers and stuff like that because they wouldn't pay for the plants. So that wild swimming is just going to be is going to taste lovely. <laughs> Pushing turds out of the way with a breaststroke, you know. The next bit uh, discusses essentially as we've been talking about, right? Is that um, is that we would create the this patchwork of equalities legislation now. There it gets into the um, the practicalities of it, which is where it gets quite. I think, as Milo alluded to earlier in this episode, rather farcical um, by trying to come up with adverse effects uh, that it sort of yeah, imagine yeah. if someone who changed their gender stood on the border between Scotland and England and like danced back and forth really quickly. Yeah, what if they did um, one of those half and half cabaret acts where half of them was wearing a dress <laughs> and the other half was wearing yeah, a tuxedo on that? the border? That would be a good bit actually. Hello, Someone should do that. Uh if if you are listening to us and you're in you're in between the Scottish and English and board like Scottish English border, get in touch with us. Like we have an idea yeah. of what you should do. <laughs> yeah, we'll set up a tripod and video that. That'll yeah. be a yeah. good thing. Do you yeah. live in the Please, northern the suburbs of Berwick upon Tweed? Are you considering transing <laughs> your gender? I mean, what you could do is you could you could jump from one side to the other and you could actually power a small light bulb with the power of your gender flipping flipping back and forth. <laughs> so, this is from the Statement of Reasons itself regarding adverse effects. It says, It is clear that there are a number of specific adverse effects caused by the creation of a dual system as outlined below. Again, clear is not the word I would use. Um, as well as the overall adverse effect created by a general lack of clarity for both GRC holders and service providers. Again, this lack of clarity is not applied when you're a- asking questions about, say, marriage. You get married without parental consent in Scotland at 16, you're just married. That's just how it works. Uh, and, and yet it seems to be fine. Is is that then a genuine question? Does that then apply in England? So if you get married at sixteen in Scotland and then say you move to England, are you then legally married in England? Is that is it recognised? Uh, you are just yeah. married. Yeah. The, yeah. So, like... so so you would you would produce that marriage certificate mm-hmm. and it would be recognised by Scotland. So even though it's an English certificate, you, other countries should recognise. No, I'm it talking about the sense. opposite thing. So if you're if you're married in Scotland oh, okay. at 16 in a way that wouldn't be allowed in England because you didn't get parental consent, and then you move to England, would that be recognised by the? So I've derailed the podcast so. with a question no one no, has no, the answer no, no, to. Just just de- de- deploying fucking law brain once again. I believe in that case, uh, English and Welsh law like yields to Scots law, and yeah, you would be married. Uh, uh, but it, what I the, what I'm sort of driving at here, right, is that. Regardless, you are able to have these parallel systems actually operate in the real world. Now, um, the statement of reasons goes on. Ahem. It's going to come up with like some more and more contrived shit. Like, what if? Right. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this here. Mind zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if I'm being searched by the police in a way that requires them to have an officer of my gender? But then I break out of the handcuffs, hop across the border, change my gender, and they have to get other cops in. Yeah. What if that? Which has happened before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It happens what all the life, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, yeah. or maybe you have to get someone yeah. with the exact same in-between Scottish gender as you. Like They have to find that <laughs> it's, one. 
It's actually just Alice. They find you chopping wood. It's like, come on, we, we need you to search one last teen. Very, very specific <laughs> set of duties as the Police Scotland transgender nonsense officer. Fleeing the bank robbery in Glasgow. I'm, I'm at an abandoned building somewhere outside Carlisle. I'm in an armed standoff with the police yelling out of the window. You'd better have a non-binary officer down there or there's going to be a constitutional <laughs> law debacle. A debacle! <laughs> We have you surrounded. State your pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> so, the adverse, the adverse effects they they set out are included but not limited to uh, the examples of the impacts of the Equality Act on the following. So, single sex clubs or associations. So, a UK wide single sex club or no, association. No, my single sex club or association. Could, I can't get into Scottish boodles anymore. Could have. It's different- a really boring sex party. Only one person can have sex there. It's whoever gets to it first. Uh, <laughs> could have different membership in different parts of the UK. The public sector. Most loads refused. <laughs> the public sector equality <laughs> oh, duty. No. One load accepted. That means that a cross-border public authority, such as the DWP, would have to have apply the their duty for fair equality different as regards Scotland versus England or UK wide yeah, employer. They, they would. Oh, the government might have to do a bit of work. How terrible. Yeah. Like, oh no, the, 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 I'm going to have to get not paid by a different. Agency, yeah, and, and like it's such a it's such a fucking like diversity win. The notice that sanctions you uh, for like not attending uh, the meeting with your work coach genders you correctly, and and also it says like a uh, a UK wide employer who would have employees who could not use their colleagues as a comparator make an equal cl- pay claim for brought in Scotland but not England. Now, the thing is right, and I'm going to go dive into this around the public sector equality duty and the government IT infrastructure, which is given as a reason says, existing IT infrastructure allows only one legal sex on any record and cannot change the marker for 16 to 17 year olds. These respo- why, why, don't, why don't you just change? Oh, the computer says no. No, we, we, we know that once you make a program, that's it. It's concrete. You can't change it Look, ever actually, again. Actually, in British IT infrastructure, that's this it. is kind of true because the IT <laughs> infrastructure true. is so bad. This is probably actually the best argument they've put forward. Oh. I'm old enough to remember when Rishi Sunak said that he couldn't give uh, uh, be- benefits claimants an inflationary increase because the computer system wouldn't allow him to do it. Do we remember that one? I, yeah, yeah. And I, I believe, I, I, have a, I have a fun trans story about this too, which is that NHS numbers, like your 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 chi number, your CHI number, that's gendered. Uh, I, it's like I forget which which way round it is, but like odd and even numbers are assigned Wait, male what? and female. Like in French, like the you, your your huh? NHS number has a gender, <laughs> like a French word. Yeah, the, yeah, the number has a gender. Oh. The, like you can, yeah, yeah. So 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 like it'll be like a zero zero will be like I don't know uh, male, and and zero one starting with zero one will will be like. Yeah, because that's the only way they could think to define a database that large by gender. And so, if you if you trans your gender, uh, one of the things that you can do, you don't have to. I also haven't, but one of the things you can do is change your number so that you get uh, the like it it recognizes you in the right gender, and you get sent all of the right screening things and stuff. It's weird as hell, and it's like something that you would not expect anyone. To design a but database Alice, that way, Alice. If if a trans woman gets a GRC, they can go to that screening appointment and they can demand to be screened. And That's true. That is actually, yeah. oddly, that is sort of one of the reasons that is stated, which is more trans Dick out at the Pap smear <laughs> more, more, screening. More <laughs> trans people yeah, may use services. Oh no! <laughs> oh my gosh! No, this is the computer says no. Uh, uh, 
Well, this is 0.5% of well, the population. This is, this is what I, I don't think oh. I'm driving at, right? Where they say, look, it would be con- taking considerable time and expense to build a system with a dual identity for the same individual if someone's legal sex could be different in Scots law and the law for England and Wales. Now, it would, it would now, only have no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. other benefits. Let me, let, let, me, let me say the rest of this fact, right? Um, now, the expected in- annual increase in people a- obtaining Scots gender recognition certificates uh, is expected to be to go from 30 to approximately 250. This is 220 people. It's doing the numbers. It is. They, there are, they are actually, like, all of these responses, right? Because remember, right, that the Section 35 is considered to be a constitutional nuclear weapon, a devolutionary nuclear weapon. And so one of the reasons is that they would have difficulty with the records of a couple hundred people a year. And I mean, that's low enough that you can do one of the fudges that like other government departments already do. Another fun trans story about, I'm just going through all of my sort of bureaucratic woes. If you get a gender recognition certificate, one of the things that it does is it makes it like catastrophically illegal to access any of your old records in the wrong gender, right? That's one of the things in its favor. It's a very British way of doing these things. It like sort of unpersons the wrong gender you. And so one of the things is that like it li- literally like seals all of those documents. So if you get a gender recognition certificate, your taxes then go through uh, the same section of HMRC that does anyone else who has sealed records, which is mostly intelligence officers. There's a, a it's special section D, which is a great name for it, does MI6, MI5, GCHQ, and trans people. And awesome. that's the Four dumbest possible of way of LGBT exactly. GCHQ. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's I mean personally I find that very convenient. Yeah. But um <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's the dumbest possible way of doing it. And it still works. It turns out that sometimes the answer is just you you employ a transgender nonsense officer and they, they just handle it. You know, it's two hundred people a year. It's just it's not that much work. Do you know what has two hundred rows? Excel. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> you um, know. They don't they can't afford the license for Excel. So <laughs> they can't they can't do that. Here's the other thing, right? They say this is part of the argument, like, look, if we let this through, it's gonna cause administrative chaos via equalities legislation. Again, the assumption being that tons of people are just waiting to jump on this to like spuriously make equalities claims right that again that is riven through this entire document and yet again this is i I, i'm i'm not sort of talking about hypocrisy here but just be aware of the fact that like the retained eu law bill means that a bunch of formally settled answers to like basic questions such as how much uh, holiday pay does my employer owe me or do part-time workers have the same rights as full-time workers settled questions in law that lots of other things are built on those are going to be obliterated. They're scheduled to be obliterated, and the government has already admitted that it's not going to be possible to replace them in time. Those questions are going to get unanswered, and new answers are not readily available. And they are, and the state, and they're basically going to use a nuclear bomb on the constitutional settlement of the UK because a few hundred people will need a slightly different form on the computer that tells them they can't have any money. You don't understand. Thousands of Scots every year are suddenly going to be like, I want spy taxes. <laughs> I want the spy guy to that, do my yeah. taxes. This episode, this episode going out alone will just trigger that. Like, <laughs> everyone's going to be like, right, I know what I've I'm I've never had spy taxes. I imagine it might be quite <laughs> inconvenient. Quite secret. So, 
one of the and then some of the other reasons I guess I've sort of collected under Malin actors in spaces. Uh, so yeah, what what if criminals decided to change their genders? Because uh, mm-hmm. we we say except him. We, we can't arrest him. So Sorry, a lady. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you misgendered the perp. They got to walk. Uh, so the Secretary of State for Scotland, Alistair Jack. Uh, does not believe that the bill retains or creates the safeguards to mitigate the risk of fraudulent or malign applications and believes that the reform system will be open to abuse and malicious actors. Malign gender is such a funny concept. <laughs> uh, but abuse... Moustache twiddling. <laughs> yeah. also, it- Incidentally, w- w- when it was in the Scottish Parliament, a lot of amendments were like focused on this. Uh, some of them were wrecking, some of them weren't. And like people did, uh, MSPs did propose in earnest, I want this bill to pass, but only if... Uh, making like a false declaration on this is punishable by like flensing or whatever. Yeah. So, so we've technically because which is weird because fraud is already a crime. So we've kind of like the Scottish government to appease you know so-called legitimate concerns has created like almost like a special gender fraud on top of the oh, existing gender fraud, fraud claim. <laughs> um, and then that's also in, in 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 on top of making a false declaration. Which is already another crime as well. So it's just we're layering it on top of yeah, all of it. But uh, I guess that's still not sufficient. I suppose no. somehow because because if like if you do crimes with gender, that's like especially heinous. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's. It, I don't think there's you couldn't you th- you could have promised a keel hauling and it still wouldn't have been enough for these people. Um, he says, for example, the they might erode confidence. In the Equality Act is a credible framework to protect the rights of individuals and advance equality of opportunity for all. Adverse effects identified are of particular concern in relation to the 2010 Act's provisions regarding sex-segregated spaces, service, sports, occupational requirements, etc. These allow for the exclusion of people with a protected characteristic of gender reassignment, including those of the GRC, where their exclusion can be objectively justified. Given the significantly increased possibility, this is the key line here, given the significantly increased possibility of someone with malicious intent being able to obtain a GRC, as this risk will be widely known, there is a related risk of people no longer feeling safe in any sex-segregated setting and self-excluding from such settings, even though they could significantly benefit from them. Remember at the very beginning of this segment when I said, this has to confine itself to things that will actually happen. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you will be too scared by the possibility that you see a trans woman doing something that she would have already been legally allowed to do. That you will you won't take up women's rugby and go and win the World Cup for England. You know. Also, the the other thing to draw out here is that um, in terms of the um, exceptions to like the the single sex spaces that we we talked about earlier that are mentioned here. That like objectively impacted is a really fucking high test. Every time it comes to court, it is like, no, you really do have to show your working. You do have to explain why this has to be a single sex space. And it's 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 difficult to do. It's intentionally difficult to do. And that you know doesn't matter, seemingly. But also to, to just reiterate, all of Scotland's like um so rape crisis centers, like has never really fought for that in a in a setting before. They've never like had a spat with a a like a court or whatever, because they've just never felt like they've had to to do that. Um, and now what we're seeing actually in the moment in Parliament today, we're seeing Tories like go full full magma because they're like literally like, well, uh, if they agree with you, they should all be defunded because the only reason why rape services are agreeing with the government is because they're funded by it. Which is just, it's, it's getting into weird, weird-ass territory. 
well, like, it, really weird. It's aspect. getting a, a, into this the realm, I think, of the same kinds of fantasies that are peddled in like you know Times op-eds, where it's just it's a it's become an entirely circular conversation that among between conservative uh, politicians on both sides of the border, between the op-ed writers that they like between the um the think tankers that gas them up i mean you know you wouldn't be surprised to know that the policy exchange uh wrote a, basically hey, what's their address again uh <laughs> it's, it's the same as all the other right-wing think tanks weirdly enough uh mm. right near downing street mm. um yeah that the policy 55 Terrifton street, <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. street. <laughs> you know that the policy exchange has basically an identical pdf saying why section 35 is justified saying all the same stuff i actually read all of these reports by the way so you don't you know if you all have likes to. to damage his brain well done. um Mm-hmm. Well, it means we don't have right. to, so that's sorry. Uh, yeah. Riley is like the Christ of podcasting. He is like he's <laughs> suffering for our sins. You yeah, know? I, like I say, people say I torture Nish Kumar with the books, but he only has to hear about them for an hour. I read the fuckers. Um, regardless, <laughs> right? That, that that's totally circular conversation means that that the answer is predetermined, and any other working will always be just focused on this answer, so the circular conversation can keep going. It's like. Well, you know, if uh, if if a rape crisis center in Scotland is is not going to, um, uh, we, we're going to have the answer that we want, basically, which is that oh well, this is no true Scotsman, essentially. Mm. You know, <laughs> well, quite. Yeah. Um, and so, the, and and also like the adverse no true Scotswoman, no. <laughs> so uh, the adverse effect, right, is basically that there is going to be a higher awareness of the existence of trans people. And the statement of reasons suggests that this might make cis people feel unsafe. That is to say, it's a, and if you take that all together, the reasoning that it should be hard to get a gender recognition certificate is basically, and, and that and this is because it makes cis fe- people feel unsafe, is basically the statement of reasons boils down to there are already too many trans people and we think that there should be no more and preferably less. I've read The Guardian. <laughs> I, I can boil it down further than that. It's, you know, X number of pages which amount to... Ugh. Yeah, like that—that's all it is. At the end of the day, if people in government are that concerned about keeping Alice away from the England women's rugby team, they could have achieved the same result with a spray bottle. <laughs> <laughs> and but also, like half the premise is just that more people will be protected by the Equality Act. But they say, but we don't yeah. want that. Yeah, no, we don't care for the Equality Act. <laughs> it's protecting too many people as it is. <laughs> We're gatekeeping the Equality Act. Um and. <laughs> And you know the and, and so what they're talking about throughout this statement of reasons, uh, which we're sort of going to move off of shortly, is basically just worrying about tiny fractions of tiny fractions of numbers. How many people, like so, a few hundred people in a government database, a few hundred people who would be wanting to go to a single sex school with a Scottish gender recognition south of the border, who had to have been trans their gender at a particular age after a particular yeah, time. Yeah, that yeah. might be me, what, me trying to two? get to boodles. Um, yeah, me and two friends trying to get into Boodles. Um, yeah, yeah, the 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 Scottish affiliate of Boodles, <laughs> Scoodles. Bear, bear that all in mind. All those reasons. Mm. They're they're still like after publishing those reasons. They're like, oh, why don't you just come to the table and negotiate? Even though you you did this totally the normal way. It's all inside devolved framework, but. By reading this, what can you then negotiate on if the whole statement of reasons is like, well, the whole bill's bad? Mm. Well, there's there's really nothing you can do. Uh, Keith Starmer was just like, well, let let's play about with with the age, but like, literally not going to happen because if you remove the age, there's 
there's not a lot of the bill. The more you remove, the, the less it does, and it already doesn't do a lot. But so that's that's the basic objection to the bill, right? Which is that uh, the bill, excuse me, the statement yeah, of reasons, which like, is that it's yeah. enormously, it's basically enormously out of proportion to the problems that it's that it's pointing out, many of which aren't problems. Um, that's putting aside the fact that it itself is like a deeply bigoted piece of writing. Um, but like, re- but remember, even putting aside the astonishingly no- low numbers of people that make all of the like substantive objections, like uh, government IT systems, IT systems or whatever, totally meaningless, right? You have to also remember coming back to marriage, right? Because it's not even just about different ages; it's about different people can marry you. For example, in Scotland, you can get married by a humanist society; in England, you can't. Right. That so. Wait. Does that mean that the uh, that the Scottish marriage doesn't can, uh, count? No, of course not. Because in England, yeah, they just because you're married by a crystal mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but re- re- really, like it's the same thing. That's the different way in which you come to that particular status. It's just in England, they don't treat the status of marriage with inherent suspicion, whereas they treat the status of being transgender with inherent suspicion. And that is one of the reasons that. If you take away that suspicion, then you wouldn't raise any of these other points, like the fact that like more trans people might have a chilling effect on cis or of like cisgender single sex organizations or what have you, mm. right? It, yeah, you, trans it, people just, are actually endothermic. It just it just <laughs> wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's, but, it's actually remarkable how much of the jurisprudence in in Scotland and England, whilst is a, like about marriage, is when you have a sort of like a legally difficult marriage, uh, when you have sort of like a marriage that has been uh, formalized incorrectly. Um, basically, so long as there isn't fraud, the state will go to. It bends a lot in order to make a marriage like valid, and in order to make it work. And it does that with the expressed intent that people getting married when they choose to is a social good that the government and the law should be facilitating. Right? That's not a difficult thing to do. It's a. It's a very deliberate choice not to repeat that for gender. And, and I say, you know, let's just for for the sake of argument, let's strengthen the government. If you if you, if you get mar- if you get married by a guy who pretends he's a priest and he actually wasn't, and then he like at the end of the thing drops the cassock and flees, you are probably still legally married at the end of that. So long oh, as you yeah. believed he was a priest. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. He actually identified as a priest throughout yeah. the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he got his priest recognition certificate. No, but so I think we've so we've taken the actual statement of reasons, looked at it on its own merits, and found that it falls apart for a bunch of reasons, including that very small numbers of people actually sort of under discussion here. Um, we strengthened their hand a bit, and we said, okay, well, let's remove that consideration and let's compare it with something. And we can even strengthen their hand a bit more. Let's imagine that somehow the marriage comparison is solved, and that's sort of no longer an issue. Um, fundamentally, it's, this is kind of goes back to what what Alice was saying, right? Um, the constitutional problems regarding con- the consistency of gender before the Equality Act are only problems because we've decided that it's necessary to create a unified regime of unfriendly circumstances for transgender people in the United Kingdom and to treat them with suspicion from the off. Um, and if we created less restrictive circumstances, then there wouldn't be humming and hawing about how the restrictions apply unequally because, quite simply, there wouldn't be restrictions. And if you say the Equalities Act suffers from a lack of clarity regarding sort of gender and transgender status and the, and, and so on, um, A, does it really? But B, why hasn't it been clarified? Why haven't these things been made easier? And you really only end up coming back to the same answer, which is that it was either a, a, a deep-seated belief or a cynical belief, regardless, the effect is the same, so who cares about the difference, um, that 
that life ought to be difficult for transgender people because it makes some of the worst people in this country very happy. Mm. Yep. Well, you got to keep those guys happy. The good news is we can we can talk about uh, Labour's response to this um, because oh wow, it- what a response! <laughs> so this is something that's been done by a conservative government. Uh, it's it's you know it's parliamentary procedure. Uh, Labour had the opportunity to. Um, not block it because they don't have the votes to, but uh, they had the opportunity to confront, delay, annoy uh, all of these Raise things. Raise a hue and cry, even. potentially try to split a relatively fractious Tory party. I don't know. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any number of these yeah. things. Something. Um, how about, how about something? The, th- the thing is, right, Keir Starmer, we may be aware of this, is bitch-made. And so... He he, like irrespective of what he personally believes, hard to get a certificate for that in England. Political level, <laughs> yeah, just di- yeah, need to do two years. Something like eleven Labour MPs even showed up for this vote. Um, a, a couple of glaring omissions, most notably Diane Abbott didn't show up, which is a disappointment. Um, John McDonald, John, John McDonald, hey. who I used to worry about back in the day. I used to I used to have right? a couple of concerns because yeah. he met with a couple of couple of turf organizations, but no, he came through in the end. Corbyn Corbin was paired, so he like voted against it, but like didn't have to show up personally, and a lot of people got very mad at him on Twitter. The, the Labour response to this is just, I hope no one notices. Let's turn off the lights and pretend yeah. we're not home. Mm. Yeah, uh, I believe um, they, the initial response was uh, that Labour wouldn't, um, wasn't going to oppose it until they saw fundamentally what the government were going to do. Again, and it, which means confusing kind of what you might see as strategic acumen in yourself for uh, uh, let's say tactically being unable to see the forest because you're tactically looking at the trees uh it's yeah, and the other thing is like just just on a sort of a partisan level at a time when um everybody is you know criticizing uk labor in scotland for like treating scottish labor as a branch office it, it may perhaps have occurred to the leader of a labor party that this is something that Scottish Labour MSPs had debated, voted for, and was then taken away from them by the Tories. And that does not appear to figure. It was like literally in their manifesto. Yes. Like, first of all, it was in all of their party manifestos, right, seven years ago, even even the Tories, right? But Labour, Labour like literally had like, we want to lower it to 16. Um, and now you're having like Keir Starmer come in and say, well, I think 16 is is too low, even though sixteen is is the legal age of an adult in Scotland. Like he's he's supposed to be a really clever boy. He's supposed to be a really top tier lawyer. But I know Scots law is that is, is technically a different different section jurisdiction. It's, it's a whatever, lot more annoying. I'll but, say that. But much. he should know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so it's really confusing, especially when we think about Donald Durr, we talk about Tony Blair, we talk about devolution, the setup of the parliament. These are all like supposed to be labor successes. So it's a massive open goal. And they're kind of treating this as if you listen to Keir Starmer's lines, it's sort of the same way he would treat a union. He's like, oh, well, everyone just needs to come back around the negotiating table. People need to meet face to face. No, we're not going to back anywhere. We're going to wait and see. And it's like just total spinelessness and it's what happens when i think uh your entire political philosophy becomes about only remembering the last sort of three news cycles and thinking only ahead to the next three news cycles it's it is it is what happens when you totally supplant 
any kind of political program with a media management strategy and you confuse the two. I was just going to say, well, yeah, I mean, I was just very quickly going to say that like that seems to sort of be it, like not just with like this issue, but basically with everything, like this kind of perpetual fear of being kind of just like destroyed or at least sort of being seen to be destroyed by like British media. And yeah, it seems like, especially with this one, um, they seem to have really kind of like cornered him in a way that I don't know, maybe it's kind of happy to everything to be cornered, else, but really. Uh, he sort of sees his job as to be cornered and to say, thank you for cornering me. I think it's good that I'm in this corner. I love being in the corner. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, and he, he he knows who inaction benefits. Like, you can look at the sort of, like, long travails of Rosie Duffield in the Labour Party and conclude that, oh, no, Keir Starman knows perfectly well that, like, who's staying out of it is a win for, and he's fine with that. What What is quite interesting, though, is that the Scottish Labour response is, is somewhat starting... To, to change. So Pam Duncan Glancy, who's like Labour's uh, representative on the Scottish Equality Committee that scrutinised this bill, sort of very much came in and, and stuck to like the Keir Starmer line that, you know, both governments just need to, this is just a government at another government, blah, blah, blah. Um, they're using trans people as a political football, blah, blah, blah. And then she's she didn't like obviously come along to today's pro- protest, but her, her statement that she released to protesters and on social media was very different was no we passed the bill it is fine as is uh, there shouldn't be a section 38 which is a total a total change from the previous line we also like have um msps like paul sweeney who who referred to alistair jack as viceroy jack as well so even though labor seems to be sucking at the moment there's lots of cool 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 exceptions and I, I think you know, this is this is something we're actually going to talk about a little more on the bonus episode as we use this as the kind of lens to try and look at what Starmerism is. So do watch out for that on the bonus. Um, I think that the one it's respecting everyone's gender, including the gender which is the opinion of the Tory party. <laughs> That's right. They identify as being against <laughs> this bill. So. Yeah. So I think, just um, <laughs> I think there's a few things right that that come to that are worth talking about here, right? Uh, to sort of wrap this up, which is to come back to I think the idea of devolution, uh, which is that that a lot of people are uh, a lot of um, sort of columnists are sort of debating with one another about whether whether or not this is a savvy political move, uh, which I think is sort of the least important. Uh, uh, beyond the actual impact on people, right? Talking more about the high politics of it um, is, is sort of particularly unimportant. Whereas, I mean, it's got enormous implications for devolution and sort of, again, just shows how um, rough and improvised and um, just fudged the entire devolution settlement was, right? It, was, it took this, it was an attempt to look at some of the contradictions of the UK as a state, um, ma- made up as it is of nations that largely have grudges against specifically England, dominated by England, but these nations at the fringes. Um, and devolution was a way to try to resolve those contradictions without really touching English power. And Yeah, the, well, the, the, the UK constitution is sort of like our get-along shirt, right? And <laughs> there was a time, like, I, I think if ever there was a time that we could have codified a constitution that uh, resolved some of these things in a reasonably equitable way and probably would also have forestalled Scottish independence for another few generations. It would have been during the Blair ministry. Um, He had the ability to do it, he just didn't want to because it was too much work and it was scary 
And so we just ended up with this like fudge of well, a constitutional convention, and as we've seen, that breaks down. Tony Blair was busy writing quickly. constitutions all over the world. <laughs> he didn't have time for the UK. <laughs> so, but it, it it does raise a really a really worrying prospect, right? And I, I keep on referencing this in interviews that I, I would love this just to be about trans rights and, and trans rights alone. But when, when you zoom out of it, d- democracy is is at is at stake because. You know, you could, and, and and well, strange enough, Scotland has a, a different mechanisms of voting as proportional representation. So, in a sense, do, Scotland's more democratic than 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 the rest of the UK in a, in an electoral sense. But then, what's what's the point of that if you're going to elect politicians to make up laws that will then be vetoed by Westminster because they feel like it, um, and they very much say that this is a once in a lifetime. Uh, usage of, of this section, but I don't. I don't believe that. I don't think an unelected Tory government should, or an unelected government of any kind, should be making decisions like this. Um, so it raises a serious question about well, what comes next? What's going to be the next bill yeah, that it, gets section a, the, the entire credibility uh, devolution ref- rested on a shared idea that everyone was good chaps and no one's going to act out of bounds. Yeah, and as dangerous as this is to the SNP, and this is potentially like lethally dangerous to the SNP, this is a sort of a battlefield that is beneficial to them because it's not like it's such a minor thing. It's such an administrative reform, and you would rather be uh, sort of fighting. Uh, should Westminster like even have the ability to do this on something relatively inconsequential, as opposed to on something that they actually like want to get done instead of getting like pushed into by the greens and, and, and just sort of um the, the other thing right about this is um you know that that with with the total all with the credibility of devolution pretty much undermined um we can go back to another example of something of a pattern that you see repeating again and again in british politics after the blair era which is the tony blair administration half-asses something or alternatively creates a kind of baroque uh a sort of intelligence gathering apparatus um that pointed at the british people right um this is something like for example how the home office works you know we, we talked about that in our episode with daniel trilling about the home office and then says yeah, treasury yeah, and then, but then then says okay well this will be fine or, or obama expanding the drone war or whatever like this just saying look all of these EWP. all of these structures all these institutions that we're creating will be fine so long as no one else is ever in charge. Yeah, and they won't be. <laughs> so don't yeah, worry about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it's about, it's, the, Look, it is... I might one day be in charge of them, but I can promise you that I won't do anything. My solemn, my <laughs> solemn promise to the people of this country is I won't pull any of the levers other than the one that says, ban sweet vapes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're having it put in. So... Uh, I, I just want to say, but because it, again, once again, it's been a, a rash of long episodes, which I'm aware that you all like, but I'm a busy man who gets hungry around eight. So I'm, I don't care for the long episodes as much, but when it's, when the contents go and the content my, goes, my hungry ass, my hungry ass tries to finish after an hour, but <laughs> could never record yeah. an hour and a half episode. Yeah. It is not every day the UK blows itself up because <laughs> no, of gender. Yeah, so, like, so uh, no. yeah. So enjoy it. Uh, I want to say uh, before we end, uh, Beth. Do you, any final thoughts? Really, the, you know, this is very quickly, rapidly, just changing and, and evolving. 
going forward. Um, Alistair Jack got summoned to the Scottish Parliament's Equality Committee. It looks like uh, Kemi's going instead. But but really, what what we're looking at is is we could be looking at a situation where you know we're we're seeing you know trade unions being attacked. We're seeing like queer people being attacked once more. It's very similar to to the eighties, and the Tories really just want to relive Thatcher's era very, very badly. You can sort of very much see that that's what they want to do, and there is still a chance, even though the the you know the, the statement of so called concerns is is a farcical document. There is still a chance that you know the, the courts shoot down this judicial review, and this is just a, a new normal. In, in Scottish politics, that could still be a chance of, of happening. So really, it, it looks funny, but the, the repercussions could yeah, be huge. I, I think that's in this, like, and we could be likely in terms of the judicial review, just yeah. on the basis that, it did, yes, there are certain duties in like how the how Westminster has to act, but both in terms of the Scotland Act and just on jurisprudence. But like, now, nah, basically, if I think it's just how it is now, because they can do what they want. But then, then again, like Scottish opinion polls, like uh, for independence, float flow around fifty percent, and it, it, I am looking forward to seeing what the next uh, opinion polls from whoever it may be. Like I don't care if it's Comrades, Vanna, whatever. Like it's going to be very interesting to see the support if that changes at all, and, and yeah, it's just. Is looking to to heat up. We're going to see new lines being drawn within the Labour Party, which is always great to hear about and see. And yeah, so I'm rotating huge, the letters ILP yeah. in my head. Um, <laughs> so, so huge with all that being said, uh, Beth, I want to thank you very much for coming and talking to us about this today. Um, I want to also thank, thank the me. listeners for listening. I want to thank Ginseng for our theme song. It's here we go. You can find it on Spotify. And I want to remind you. There is a Patreon. Uh, you can subscribe to it. It is $5 a month. This week, the Patreon bonus episode is discussing uh, how to... a uh, Part two of this episode, sort of, of taking this issue and deriving, trying to derive a theory of Starmerism from it with Philosophy Tube Abby Thorne. So do check that out. In, the, in other news, if you are in Berlin, continue to keep the 11th of March free. Continue to be in yes. Berlin. Yeah. Do not leave. Uh, Milo, go to MiloEdwards.Milo uh, for all yeah, the show yeah, details. Milo.Milo slash Milo.Milo. Um, yeah, no, my tour dates are uh, uh, soonest, Brighton, 25th of January. Tickets available for that. There's also Edinburgh. There's fucking uh, Maidenhead. There's Bristol. There's... Um, other uh, Manchester, various places, various. Go on my website. It's all go on, on Milo.edwards/slash/milo. Slash Milo. Dot Milo. Dot net. Yeah. Go on uh, there. Slash. Slash Gundam. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so like I said at the beginning, the most important takeaway from this episode is prayers up for Greg Stuby, and uh, we'll see you on the bonus episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.